0: All right. Fantastic. Uh, another little delay on that one. Good 10 seconds. It'll be radio silence here. But joining me today, once from Philly, now entering the very chilly confines of Denver, Mr. Theodore Bloom. His friends know him as Ted. How you doing?
1: Good, good, Alex. How are you?
0: Doing well. Joined myself up here uh, in Edmonton. And we're just talking pre-show about the, the weather in Denver and September, getting four inches of snow which I'm sure I'll hit home with a lot, of, uh, a lot of folks in Alberta here that uh, know the struggle that is fall. <laughs> they say September is still summer, but I would say that's up for debate in climates such as this and, and in Denver. Um, I kind of wanted to start off. Uh, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about Philadelphia and what it's like to live there. But what I do know about moving from Philadelphia to a place like Denver, how's that transition been?
2: The transition's
1: been pretty good. Uh, we were living in uh, Philly proper for eight years, and then we moved to Denver proper. So we really kept with the this city vibe. Um, I can see the skyline. I'm about a mile and a half from the city center of Denver, um, so basically the same feeling I have from Philly. It's just a new city. Uh, what I mean by new is. Uh, in eighteen
2: seventy six I believe Colorado was the centennial state was founded okay <laughs> uh, um, country to a newer city is a is it just totally feels different it's a
1: it's a planned footprint um getting around so you're not dealing with colonial tight streets you are yeah. they thought about cars they thought about transportation and movement um so Transportation-wise, movement-wise, it's fantastic.
0: <laughs> a little more space to to exactly. operate. It sounds like. Yeah. And uh, it's you and your your lovely wife that uh, yes. joined you in Denver.
1: Yes, yes, we are we are here, living in a little neighborhood in the city, and just trying All to embrace the, the first year.
0: And what uh, what uh, caused that that move there? Because I know a lot of people right now, pre pre COVID, I guess had had a lot of ideas what they were going to do, where they were going to go and had plans. And I believe if I recall from what I remember you moved just after, um, Vermont, the, uh, the event we did So you got the ever sting hoodie on.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, we, we discussed moving about a year and a half ago. And my wife is a teacher in New Jersey and she got a ping, um, one day and just texted me and was like, we got to move, we got to move to Denver. Um, I was not about to say no. I was working for myself and I was like, I can go anywhere. Uh, so I, I, we have friends here, a lot of family here. Um, so it was a kind of a no brainer. Um, Oh, nice. Home is definitely filled up with our family, but it's, uh, we can make a new home and airplanes are, are there for a
0: reason. Absolutely. No, that's good. It sounds like you got a good sense of sense community sense of home there. Um, yeah. I guess what I wanted to talk to you about uh, a little bit today, because I've the majority of my guests have kind of been, I don't want to call you old because that doesn't feel very nice, um, but I myself at the prime young age of 25, a lot of the guests have kind of been within that age range, uh, starting with friends. But one of the things I found when I did meet you or met you and, and what clicked was the mentality you had. And, you know, even with November Project, that's in edmonton here november project canada i think the first one to initiate was in edmonton i've run the stairs at stadium which is five minutes from my house i've got up in the middle of winter for the 6 a.m walterdale hill runs when it is pitch black and you leave it, it is still pitch black, and it's just gross but you know where did maybe uh, your desire for these these events these endurance challenges and even just that motivation to put in the miles i guess where do you think that kind of stems from
2: uh, um, and then they kind of, I felt kind of thrusted into this
1: professional realm and world. Um, you're nine to five in an office. You work out at a gym at six o'clock. You kind of get home. You eat at eight. Um, this kind of daily grind that I accepted for you know almost six years, seven years, um, it really got to me. And uh then I had the transition um into working in athletics where it's
2: a much more free flowing um kind of, hey, do you want to go work out at noon? Okay, great. <laughs> that that was All an- or you know, I pick golf with the soccer coach or um you know, kind
1: of those events, doing doing 5Ks with the strength coach. Um, and then I found NP um, through some community friends and realizing that you have your work friends, you have your home friends. I was like, it didn't feel like a real community of people, kind of like-minded. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your friends who are like-minded, but I don't know about you, my buddies and I, we, we get together, we talk shit and we drink beers.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah not too know. many guys are hopping in for the 30K Sunday runs.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, my, you know,
2: the, that didn't really align with kind of where I wanted to get. To. People who, yeah, wanted to push their bodies and,
1: and see what they could do. And that was my goal. I wasn't trying to win anything. I was trying to see, hey, how much strength do I have left? I'm 37 now. But I think I still got a lot left in the tank. And it's a, it's a, it's a great way to just kind of wake up in the morning and, and get, some, get some life in you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that I mean I I talked to uh I had our buddy Anthony on there that we both met uh at 29029. Oh yeah. So aids in not only the, the physical health, but you know, and especially with no November project, getting up in the wee hours of the morning in terms of setting your day or using it as a primer, do you find that kind of kind of gets you going in a sense?
1: Absolutely. Um I think you kind of get back into your home, 730 and making a cup of coffee and you just you're you're ready to to start a project to kind of continue with it i think there's some motivation and uh for someone like me i got a lot got a lot of fire um and i just my, my wife uh is an ayurvedic practitioner and she calls it pitta uh pitta is the growing fire within you and i have an overabundance of it for sure
2: this is a way to quell it keep me a little more grounded and i come home and i can Uh, and just kind of going on with your day without getting that energy out.
0: I like that. I never really thought about it in that sense. And maybe what it reminds me a little bit is I often talk about fuel and what gives me fuel. And it's one of the reasons I do all the training I like to do. It's very interesting to hear that it's almost, you know, you, you know what's with inside of you, right? And it's almost as if you don't do it, you're not taking that opportunity to expend that energy in some positive way.
1: Yeah, totally, totally agree. And
2: it's uh, it took a while for me to really realize that because you just think you can be like, oh, I'll just turn it off. Figure out for it that's constructive because the deconstruction is so easy
1: to get into.
0: Yes. So in terms of personal goals, then do you have anything you're you're striving for right now? Whether it be a race in 2021, assuming you're like most of the world, where a lot of the events have been canceled, or is it a mental goal or is it something that can be measured? What, what do you have kind of on the agenda for your goals right now in that sense?
1: Yeah, my my goal moving out here was, uh, I was gonna compete in a 50K um, yeah.
0: at Pikes Peak,
2: down in Colorado Springs. It's just so iffy um, and you need a lot of
1: um, support staff and friends with you and it just didn't seem feasible. Um, especially for a first time. I was like, ah, uh, this is my FFT, my fucking first time, so I gotta <laughs> have my in a row, and I didn't. Uh, my mind, you know, was, oh, we are in quarantine, and we're in pandemic, so my training got really kind of screwy, um, especially here in Denver. They said not to leave your
2: county for the first two months. Um, oh, yeah. to the hills i was like i can't you're not running flat when you're doing a
1: 50k i mean this is no. you know 10,000 feet of elevation i think in the pike's peak and i was like i got to be able to do that so yeah. 2021 that will be back on the on the roster uh for sure and then um i don't know we'll we'll see maybe the maybe a marathon um to just kind of get that distance down but um, definitely want to do an ultra and get into that community here
0: very nice Let's see. I mean, I, again, I don't know too much about Colorado, but if there is one thing we have in commons, it's that mountain range that runs through Alberta that runs all the way down through Colorado as well. And I know that those race directors that do the 50 Ks and any ultra or any trail run, they do not shy away from the elevation. They do not shy away from the hard courses and they make it absolutely, I mean, the first fifty k I did, you, you you start to hallucinate at some points when it is your first time. You think, "Oh, fifty k, this is nothing," and then they just throw every piece of vert, every single track trail at you until you can't think straight.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, I think uh, that was something that I want to get, I want to be able to get to and understand. How, you know, calories in, calories out. at twenty nine out twenty nine because. You don't think about it
1: until you need that fuel, and you got to be constructive with it. And if you're wrong with it, your body just lets you know, and you can't keep going.
0: I wonder if people understand, we obviously have done a few of these events, that preparation and how much preparation it does take. I remember even Kevin, who was there at the event, kept asking me, how much should I eat, how much should I eat, how much should I eat? And, you know, I thought the brilliant analogy from, I can't remember the gentleman's name who went up on stage, he said, imagine a bathtub with a hole in it. (laughs) You start with a full, full tub of water and it's got a little dime, you know, sized hole in the bottom. That's your fuel level at all these races. The goal is never to be full, but you certainly can never let that bathtub run out. And if you do, just like you said, it's, it's too late. There's nothing you can do now. Have you ever, uh, you ever experienced a, a big bonk in any of those races or that kind of that feeling of I can't go anymore?
1: Uh, yeah, I was in a trail race uh, two years ago just doing a – it was a 10K. And I totally came into it thinking nonchalant, oh, I'm good. Grabbed a banana and a water before. <laughs> and it was a humid day. I think you climbed over 3000 feet altogether in this park um, and mile four and five. I mean, I was just tanked. I was, I was gassed and I came in <laughs> you know, well over an hour. I was like, this was just a horrible race. Um, and my buddies were there at the finish line. I was like, I did not prepare. I really, it was a, it was a good sl- smack in the face of like, Hey, you can't mess around. You got to really understand
2: what fuel does and, and what pace can, In ascending is just it's a different animal
1: as opposed to just running on a on a flat road
0: yes so do you find you're the kind of person that when those things happen those what i call smaller failures it's almost you know a goal is always finish as much as even i hate to say it because i'm a competitor at heart a goal is always finished there's no tougher feeling in the moment than not finishing do you take those moments and immediately turn those back into fuel and back into to motivation to find the next one or do you kind of Say yeah, you know what? I'm good. Like I can run 10k when I want to.
2: I journal here of all my kind of failures and successes, so it definitely gets written down.
1: Um, but I think I definitely have a space to grow and kind of f- get feedback and get maybe some coaching with it. That's kind of my next my next thought is, you know, how do I translate some of this information uh, into usable information? And I think of really important thing is having a third party sit there and say okay here's what you're going to do to
2: prep for it and not just try to do it on my own because that's where I, i've run into
0: so are you i guess even on that note um because i'm kind of in that spot as well where i've it's been a very short period for me to get into these endurance style races these races that require a lot more on the strategic side, obviously there's no excuse or there's no uh, replacement for getting in the kilometers, getting in the reps. However, there's this added element of you have to keep your wits about you. So when you write those things down, have you always been that that type of person? Maybe even in in your general life uh, to write things down, because I know I don't, and I would love to do more. You know, I think Goggins refers to them as, or not Goggins, in. Yeah. I'm reading eight weeks to seal fit and after action reports, right? And how huge it is to, to go back and look at that. Is it something you do in, in other aspects of your life or is that kind of more just for, for this?
1: Uh, no, I do I do it for almost everything. I try and plan out my week and then big events. I kind of will make a paragraph. Hey, how did the interview go? How did your meeting go? How did, um, you know, kind of anything in life um, started with support? you know i will write it down hey we thought about this why you know what was your reaction what was your reaction what was your response um which i think those are two different er uh things that i've tried to learn to separate because you people think oh your response is your reaction I was like, it doesn't have to be um your you know your your reaction can be something that you can you can feel and then you can kind of productively go through it but if you just let that Roller coaster of emotion take over. Um, I know for me, that uh, comes with some holes in the wall. It comes with some shattered things. And, uh, yeah, it just it can get out of hand, and you're like, "Whoa!" Like that is not a good response. That's a, that's deconstruction right there at its finest.
0: That's very impressive because I, I read a lot of of nonfiction, a lot of psychology, a lot of economics books, and one of the things they talk about is the separation of your thinking brain and your your action brain almost or you know brain one brain two depending on what book you've read and it's exactly that your reaction might be something visceral people might see it on your face you know you get a little warmer there's something that might come up inside you versus being able to take that half step back and then respond with that knowledge then you're you're in this beautiful place where where you can take both and try and approach it at the same time knowing that you know, say if you told me that your aunt died, the reaction on my face might be just, you know, horrifying and tragedy. And I might want to be sad and be right there in it with you. But the secondary thought is, what can I do for him in this moment? And then that beautiful blending of that instead of me going, oh, my God, that's well, that's horrible. And you might have been like, yeah, well, actually, my aunt was 95. You know, it's kind of weird how it worked out. And she's had cancer. But she lived a beautiful life. And then it's almost a mismatch. And this is getting a little off off topic with where I want to go with this. Um, what I do want to ask you, I guess, in all of this to tie kind of a little bit about the, the mental side and the physical side and how this ties into your everyday. Have you been this person for a long time? Like when, when did it maybe click for you or something you've done, done since school? It seems like you're very organized and you're very aware of, I guess what I would call like the, yeah, that after action report or even, you know, a debriefing as much as deconstructing.
1: Yeah, uh, I definitely was not this way. I'd say probably in the
2: last uh, three to four years, I've really tried to under... Growing up, I was a ball of emotion. I was a ball of anger. I'm a third child. Um,
1: the joke in my family is like, oh, you have a third kid? Oh, wow, when did that happen? I'm like,
2: mom and dad, you really didn't tell your
1: friends about this? Like, it just seems cold, right? So it kind yes. of it compounded me it gave me some edge gave me some a lot of negativity. A little um, chip on the shoulder. I, yeah. For, for sure and it just it it didn't
2: serve me. Um but I looked at it like it was my character. I I, I had some some bad jobs, I had some, you know, bad moments. Um I think
1: my you know, getting married um and really understanding myself more and my wife's work through yoga and Ayurveda. Um, she's really helped me kind of focus that and understand it. Um, and now I'm kind of trying to lead, lead myself as much as I can um, to figure out more and more because yeah, there's there is a it's a whole book that I haven't read yet for sure. Um, with with myself. So I'd say the last three years I've really tried to focus it and then coming out to Colorado um has really given me an extra level of that because I can I can get lost in nature a little bit. I can really get my thinking um and my emotions out on a trail um and come back and just be and just be a better person.
0: I really, really enjoy that answer because I think it's if there's one thing i'm trying to implore or impress upon anybody who gets the chance to listen to these is it doesn't matter where you're at in terms of mentality if you know where you want to go it's not as hard to make those those small changes those daily changes that bring about the ease at which you can operate in your physical life your mental life your personal relationships and to hear you know you're coming up on 37 so at, you know let's say 32 33 that's when you started to make those changes for somebody like myself who even at times like this feels so incredibly stuck from day to day it's so nice to hear that oh yes no this is something you need to work on in general it's it's never really a a finished idea or a finished project and it's just i don't i think it's such a brilliant takeaway for people is there's always time to pursue what you want to pursue if you can, you know, if you have that privilege and you can create that opportunity that there's there's no reason why you shouldn't. Yeah. No,
1: I, I agree. And it's uh I wish at twenty five someone had pulled me aside and said, you know, you don't need to, you know, force every day from seven to seven and then, you know, crush crush eight beers and then go to bed. Like <laughs> life doesn't have. I mean, life was great. I was living in Southern California at that age, but I wish I had the wherewithal to be like, "Wait a second, can I go to the beach, have a moment,
2: learn to surf?" I didn't even learn to surf. It just was that's the way it was meant to
1: be for me, and you know, now I'm having that realization.
0: Well, that's a, that's another thing, though, and to to stay on that point because I think. I I don't want to say I disagree, but I almost think like, do do you think there is no, there's no replacement for having those experiences of not having that awareness? Because it's just as easily to say that you could have had that, those ideals, that wherewithal, you could take those moments to the beach, you could have learned how to surf, done a little more. But at the same time, I even know for me, it was also only two or three years ago where I started running, I started deciding to get on the bike, make big lifestyle changes However, if you'd have pulled me aside at nineteen or twenty, I'd have probably told you to kick rocks or pound sand, and I'd have said, "Look, I'm I'm fine with drinking beers. I'm fine with being in okay shape. I don't need to run, you know, a half marathon next week." But yes, now where I'm at, the reason that or the the fact that I can run twenty one point one, I believe it's thirteen point something in the in miles if you would have told me how much that would aid in my ability to get things done at work, my bill, like my sleep schedule, my healthy eating, if you'd have told me those things I might've bought in, but it, it almost seems and Anthony talked about this a bit and maybe, you know, I want to see what your thoughts are one way or the other. I think we have to go through those moments. You have to be in that kind of coast mode from time to time only to realize later that, Oh yes, there are. There's two ways to live, or there well, not even two ways, but there's many ways to live.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's uh, it's it's truly kind of a, it's like almost an enlightening moment when you. Um, I think is really eye opening, um, and it doesn't even need to be with like oh you have to go run and do endurance things, but I think you. <laughs> I don't think anyone tells you when you're done school, like, hey, I know you're going to work and make money, but like having another something to do to constructively create your time, um, I think is is something really hard. It's a hard lesson to
2: learn. I have friends who, you know, come home from work, still do the same thing. We're 36, 37. Unhappy, I just, you know, I kind of we just have different goals in our life to to explore,
1: and I think that's, um, you know, something that it, are you in search of it or are you not in search of it? I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. I just think, yes, you know, once you kind of if you if you're down to search for it, it can be real fun. I mean, it can lead you to Vermont and you're hiking up a mountain 21 times, and like, <laughs> is, people are like, you're crazy. I'm like, I know, but it was amazing, <laughs> you know, it's hard to describe.
0: It is. It's it's as if we realize a little bit more about ourselves in those moments. That's one of the biggest beauties of why I enjoy those events and why I implore people to try, you know, just even a little bit more than what they're doing. And I agree wholly with the statement. It doesn't have to be endurance events. It doesn't have to be these crazy goals. It can be something as simple as spending a half an hour outside just to just to get your thoughts together. At Edmonton, we have a huge, huge river valley system. We got mountain bike trails. We got paved trails. Wouldn't recommend swimming in the water or the river that runs through. However, just creating something for yourself in that spare time. And, you know, it's a good thing you mentioned too, as well. When you get out of school, they don't tell you about what your life's going to look like because you spend usually that four years is, is structured in some way, shape, or form. You get comfortable in that. If you go on to do more schooling, it looks somewhat the same. But when they eventually give you that piece of paper and say, all right, kid, go out there and go get it. It's exactly that. Nobody's telling you what to do when the nine to five ends or if you're working you know, as an entrepreneur. Nobody's telling you what to do in the spare time or your spare time.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's true. And those four years, your spare time was spent. Uh, constantly engaged in external affairs as I look at it. Yes. Like, I was constantly around friends. I was, con- you know, don't have the thought to really listen to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Because for me at 21 years old, that internal voice was scary. That internal voice was not mm-hmm. a positive thing. So I was like, okay, yes. let's go out, let's go find the external, you know girlfriend or friends or just something to quiet that voice. So, however you can to me I'm like however you can be comfortable with that voice, I think is really is really the goal. Um because it can be. Hey, you want to work? You work 7 to 7
2: and you're in finance and doing whatever you, you know, you can do for yourself.
1: Um I think you find your moral compass that way too. And I really realized my moral compass is it's it's pretty it's got a pretty high degree and i can't just you know crush crush through work and and be satisfied with it
0: that's uh that's very interesting i it's another thing i didn't really look about or think about in terms of that that moral compass or that direction so in that because i kind of want to stay on that and it's it seems like a long transition or a longer transition especially when you can break it out through those years with being in this pandemic with the move with a lot of bigger changes, whether they were planned or not, or how long they were planned out for. What have you realized maybe about yourself in just the, you know, last six to 12 months about yourself that maybe you didn't realize, um, about yourself, you know, even a year or two years ago.
1: Yeah. Um, that's a good, it's a really good question. I think there's been a lot of growth I've had. Um, I think coming out to Denver, um, everyone, definitely views Denver, Colorado, much more organic, free-flowing way of life um, and I I can definitely see that. I agree with it. The intensity
2: um, and the grind I don't think is every day, a huge tech scene um,
1: and everything, but I think for me and what I've tried to do in finding my next journey in my career, um, is to find something, find a company, find a people, um, a community that I really believe in. And I have, by not fully full-time employed right now, um, been looking and interviewing with companies. And that's the first thing I tell them, is I tell them why I applied to the company. I
2: say, hey, I really agree with the way you're doing X, Y, and Z. Um, that seems like a really good step Um, which I don't think ten years ago, even two years
1: ago, I would have been like, "Oh, you're going to pay me X amount of dollars? Done. I'm signing on the dotted line." Yeah. <laughs> um, so that mo- that monetary goal, I have. Yes, I would like to be compensated, you know, for what I do. But I also want to do good things, um, and I have the ability and the privilege, uh, thankfully, to do that.
2: Um, and I th- I think. If things will work out the way they should. And I, I, so I, yeah, part of their, their group and community.
0: So, so community then is obviously not only in work, but how big, how big of a part does community play? It's, it's something uh, I've touched on and probably us one through seven, because I think it's going to be a huge factor, especially as we come out of this and something that people are, are missing right now myself included those those smaller communities those people that you would see day to day that really aided in the the mental health for me at least of keeping up with the people i I genuinely cared about how important is is community gonna gonna play a role then in in your life and how much does it play a role right now
1: yeah um uh, I mean, right now, my family community is really large in my life. Um, we like to say pods. Um, we laugh and joke because I'm like, oh, cool. My family up in the in the mountains, I'm like, oh, it's a pod. I have no idea <laughs> if they're actually going out and interacting with other people and not making it a pod. But um, those are the people we're
2: seeing right now. And I think what my goal with my community and my career would be aligning them is I want to work We see life in a in a similar way. And
1: that can be maybe political, that can be maybe recreational. Um, you know, maybe they're an endurance athlete. Cool. What do you else do you do? Awesome. Like we share that in common. Uh maybe it's political. Hey, we we understand humanity and people's lives and especially through this pandemic. Um mm-hmm. the disregard for human life is it's scary when you really hear people try and break down and call this thing a hoax. Um, it scares yes. me. Uh, if people just don't value 193,000 dead. Um, that's just America. I'm like,
2: I don't know. I don't know why someone would make that. So I think it kind of come
1: from a couple of different places. But um, yeah, I think outside the monetary, hey, let's just go make money. I want, I want to be aligned with these people's views and philosophies, um, I think, first and foremost.
0: That's brilliant. That's actually a, a very similar sentiment to the last guest we just had on. And it's something that I'm hearing a lot more. And it's it's interesting when you have these longer conversations with people, because I found even with at work, there's a lot of people I feel that I know in terms of, I could tell you about their family. I could tell you about a few of their interests. I could, I could write a one page bio, I guess on, on these people. However, to really understand what drives people and what aids in, in having that sense of, you know, I get, I I would almost call it pride. It's, it seems to be something that this generation, my generation, uh, I imagine you're probably, as far as the, the data people are concerned, we're in the same generation. Yeah. However, exactly. I think there's, there's a large commitment, and it's, it, it is a large part of what brings me hope moving forward, is that we're conscious about the other people that we could have an impact on. And from the l- most small of interactions to the largest of interactions, just the ability to be conscious of that I think is going to be so huge in creating a world that we find sustainable and human driven sense of community and genuinely inclusive.
1: Yeah. yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And that's one of the things I
2: think November project definitely preaches about, Um, you know, big thing that, understanding of you know we we have that
1: sense and i think more companies are taking that into its into Mm -hmm. its credo and trying to find that um and it's not an easy you can't just come out and say hey what's your philosophy on humanity like you you know (laughs) you got a really personal personal relationship with somebody you'll get to know them um because i think the scariest thing for me i say scary but Is finding out your, you know, maybe your
2: family member is actually just doesn't regard the say humanity in the same. Like, you know, my dad and I see the world very differently. And I think Mm -hmm. if a couple of years ago you asked
1: me how you view it, I'd be like, oh no, we're same, very similar. Like we both understand this. He raised me, you know, to view the world like this, and now I'm like, whoa, man, it feels like we're on the opposite side.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a a strange place to be, especially when it is family. Yeah. I find with, you know, even my parents, it's a a brilliant blend of almost ignorance and bliss sometimes out of my dad to the point where it's, you have a tough time arguing with him because he just hard lines that, well, you can only control the things, or sorry, you can only worry about the things you control and try not to worry about the things you can't. And that's a great way to approach life if you're trying to eliminate emotions both positive and negative and really hone in on what you can control so i appreciate that aspect but then you look at my mom who even in her own words finds she's always kind of pegging where she is at with other families or other people in her position and it's it's not a competition for her as much as it's just somewhere to kind of peg herself in the system and as you know i mean just sons in general to to people that's exactly what it feels like especially as the years go by there's things I would say the same where if my dad and I were sitting down at at the kitchen table right now and you asked us the same question, we might write the exact same answer line for line, word for word. Yet you ask us something about, uh, we debated for half an hour about whether genetics or, um, or work ethic plays more into creating superstars and the gap at the top levels of major sports. And he was all over the, (laughs) he was all over the genetic side. And I said, no, I think it's hard work. And, and work ethic, because I think those people at the top that are the outliers of the outliers are working that much harder. And he said, no, there has to be something in them that everybody's exploited their genetic talents to a point, or sorry, their work ethic to a point where everybody's equal. It just so happens that the way that person grew up or there's something in their DNA that truly makes them better. And we, we sat there 15 minutes discussing this as if we were on a TV show to the point where we both saw, <laughs> yes. But I think that's the thing. Uh, so, in terms of this self-reflection, in in my at least in my lifetime, I'm real hard to see in the mirror. Is there things you're still dated during this time that that bother you in a sense? Like, give well. Four or five.
2: Uh, uh, you were breaking up there. What was the last question?
0: Oh, pardon I don't know if you, that's all right. We're a small shop operation. In terms of, of remaining in the, this pandemic and, and the period of self-reflection, are there still things day to day that whether they bother you or you find concerning, or have you found you've adapted quite well at this time?
1: ah huh, that's a good question because i think there's so many things that can be concerning and i think this is where um the self-reflection and kind of isolation is played for me because i can run the lake i can go off into the mountains run a trail um and kind of process through it because i think you you know it's really interesting you brought your dad up the control what we can what we can't and getting this like over, it's almost overwhelming the sense of can we make change you know can we make change and I I like to think on the positive spectrum like hey I'm one person but you know if I can just explore and talk to people um, and just do the right thing then I'm making a change and I'm making a difference um, whereas I think you can get down the negative route or you can get down the route of just n- you know, no, we're not going to do anything. It is what it is. And I think for me in this time of, uh, you know, kind of, I look at it as an opportunity to, to explore, try to stay positive and, uh, feel like I can still make a difference. Um, because otherwise I, I think I would, I would spontaneously combust.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So, it's, you know, it's interesting too, because I I completely agree in the sense that you need to find those positive feedback loops when you do adapt. If you don't, it's very easy to get this term I use often is is plugged in where my screen time shot up probably 10, 20% right at the start of this has done nothing but seemingly rise. And I'll find myself just going through news articles on news articles to the point where I think, okay, I'm informed, but now it's getting to the point where I'm almost creating my own sense of paranoia or my own sense of things are bad solely because I can go find what's bad in the world.
1: Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's The the information age, which I... It's one of the scariest things to the older generation is how much information we have and how do you, how do you critically think through that information? How do you kind of discern, is that true? Is that false? And I, I'm thankful that my education has taught me to, you know, really be able to kind of say, I don't know if it's true or false, but somewhere underlying, someone wrote this for a, you know, kind of, how do you
2: build upon the Yes. affecting our community um because there is especially in a
1: pandemic i mean we've never experienced this so how do you believe oh this drug will this vaccine will help like do you take the vaccine at first i don't know um <laughs> i'm more philosophy like i'm gonna see how the first hundred thousand people feel <laughs> i don't know it's it's uh it's scary but my sister is like i'll be the first one doing it i'll
2: be the trial like she's in it because she has two kids and you know she wants to more normal, so I can, I can get it. So it's, it's a hard discussion for sure.
0: No, it is. I agree with that. And even on that specific example, I'd probably be right there with you. Let, let the first, first trial go through. I'll keep isolating. I'll keep staying home for a bit and we'll, we'll see how that plays out a little bit. Yeah. That, that is neither here nor there in this sense. Um, so we've talked about a few things, you know, mentality, uh, life during COVID personal goals, is there any, anything, I guess, that maybe as of late, because it's, it's a pretty big year, especially in, in the United States, you know, the election's coming up. Uh, people are seemingly battling on ideologies more than we ever have. It almost What COVID feels like to me, and I haven't expressed this except to a few people I know, it feels like a war without the war. It feels like this is the first time we have had to say we need to do what's right for the greater good whether we like it or not. And I think that's what a lot of people are struggling with is trying to still have the ability to say, yes, woe is me, because you need to be able to experience your own emotions and your own experiences as an individual. However, it's the first time we've really been asked to set aside our, maybe not even beliefs or values, but set aside our our personal ambitions for the greater good.
1: Yeah, that's uh that, and that's that's where I mean, self-interest right outweighs the greater good a lot. Um, <laughs> and it's I, I get I can understand it um, why it happens
2: that way. I think the war with so you can't go outside and be like, okay, today I'm
1: gonna fight COVID. Like it's just yeah. not you know this is not a Something you can't call someone and be like, I found it, I found Coke,
0: um, you know,
1: it's right, it's get like, this bitch right now, like, yeah. It's like, no, that's not how it works. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I, I want to hope that people have the greater good in mind. Um, I think the mask battle, um, is where you can see self interest versus yes. the greater
2: good because. Yes, uh, in the
1: pandemic, and you have to sit on a plane for three four hours. And you know, you, to me, I'm going, okay, this is this is how it is. It's fine. We'll we'll get through yeah. it. But for some people, that's not okay. That's a that's that's not okay for the greater good. That is their self interest outweighing it. So i i wanted a, I want to think that I try to surround myself with people who understand mm-hmm. the greater good and and that. But then you know,
2: self interest is always going to play. It's it's. Part what's right for their family or themselves.
1: Um, And that can oftentimes outweigh it for sure.
0: So what do you think the, I talk often about communication as well, and we do have all this information. What do you think we can do to get those people not, I don't want to say on our side because I don't want every issue moving forward in my life to feel so, so polarizing, but how do you think we can utilize these, these tools of communications and modes of communication to better, bring people in or do you think the age information is just going to keep accelerating to the point where, you know, people will go to Alexander Philip thinks like a conservative.com and they'll just punch that in and they'll get all their news from that source.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Try to trying to bridge that gap. Um, as the gap to me, I'm like the gap's just getting wider. They're getting more divisive and they are, there, it's almost again. It's like a war without a war. They feel like they're they're planting their flag down for what they believe in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and to me, I'm like, but don't you believe in human? You know, the greater yes. And there, it's it's definitely coming uh, to a divisive state. And I think the information age. Uh, I think we'll only get bigger. I think we'll only get, um, you know, more separated. Uh, and I think through educate, hopefully through education, um, we can get people to really start understanding, you know, the middle to critically think, um, to understand, understanding
2: history too. I've taken a lot of time in this pandemic. Um, evolution that in the United States is kind of whitewashed over and is taught in this very kind of quick
1: manner. Um, And you have to take a college level course to really understand the the thinking behind it. And I have kind of come to some conclusions and some interesting facts about our founding fathers that I didn't know growing up. I mean, you see the Declaration of Independence for America and most of those founding fathers didn't even fire a bullet. They never fought. I didn't know that growing up. I think a lot of people are taught, oh, yeah,
2: these guys all, you know, they were farmers and they grabbed their muskets. No, they didn't. No. The <laughs> rich we're not going to pay
1: you and we're not going to feed you. And it's it's really fascinating. And it feels right now, it feels a lot like that time because. You know, there's this nationalistic sense of America here. And I'm like, yes, but that is not taking into account human beings. That is, yes. You know, you're taking into account a very selective group of human beings under this flag of patriotism. And I just, I don't agree with that. I, I'm an American, yes, but I am also a human being, too. And I just yes. think people have lost sight of that a
2: little bit. And it's, um, and I, you know, talk and tell them how I... My dad's like, well, that's, you're you're never going to get anywhere with that. He's just, you know, there's a lot of negativity.
1: I think in <laughs> um, my philosophy, and it's, I, I get it. It's unfortunate, but I have the yes. ability and the privilege to be able to think like that. So,
0: I think I, that's I, a beautiful I, sentiment I because if there's there's one thing that you know, regardless of us being in two different countries, how I view both the American and the Canadian flag is these are two lands of great opportunity for anyone and everyone we just want to get you in the door and then the world is more or less your oyster. And I think that's exactly it where, you know, right before I got on here, I was scrolling through my Instagram and there was a gentleman, uh, Frank Oliver, who was a bit of a settler of Edmonton and area and a lot of the neighborhoods around here are named after him and there's um, Oliver Square, there's Oliver West. And I believe even he was uh, pretty crucial in setting up a lot of the infrastructure as well within Edmonton and then I'm reading through this post and it turns out he was one of the foremost known colonials as well where he set up these deals that disproportionately affected indigenous people yet uh-huh. he's on a lot of our buildings today and that's exactly it I'm the same way where I think to myself okay first of all we need to know these things because yeah we shouldn't We shouldn't tout people as heroes if they're not. It doesn't mean we need to tear down everything they've done because there's some obvious benefits. However, yes, the way they went about these things was not correct. And the first stage is recognizing that. And the second stage or the third stage is how do we reconcile with those people, with those times? And I think what really matters is what you're saying is. You need to have everybody feel like they're within that banner, whether or not they agree wholly with everybody. We just need to invite, invite everyone into the house, in a sense. Does that make sense?
2: Absolutely. No,
1: I think that's really well said, and I think it's. Uh, I think this is where the education of our history comes to, because I don't think, I don't think your point of that is to you know ban and cancel Frank Oliver, but we have to know. How did this come about? You know, what, yes. what, what proceedings led to this? How are these people affected? Um, you know, and everyone will say, well, that's just how it was in that time. Fine. Can yes. we learn from that? Can we, right. can we not repeat that history? That's all I
2: think is the, really the most important part, because I think history and a lot of plants. Oh, what do you mean this is overt racism or this is
1: systemic racism or this is, you know, these areas where you're like, no, that's not true. I was like, no, this is, you know, this is, 100% old. <laughs> this is, this yes. is how it's, it was created. There's a, there's a reason behind these things.
0: It is. There's, there's an undeniable, I mean, we have all the information if we want it. It's almost as if the people on the other side, they just don't want the apple cart disrupted if they don't have to. They just want to go along to get along for as long as they can go.
2: Yeah, yeah, which is, uh, I mean, your head down and consumer,
1: um, and I've been, that's been my kind of, the last month I've really thought about, you know, being a, pro- a producer or being a consumer, Um mm-hmm. it's harder to be a producer, it's definitely harder to produce and speak and kind of get Your thoughts out there, your ideas out there, your projects out there, um, then, you know, I can go to Walmart and I can grab all the stuff I want and I'll sit in my house.
0: Yes. Cool.
1: That's, you know, and I I think that's a really valuable um, thing to understand and learn and to teach. Um, I think I don't have kids yet, but uh, I think that will be a big philosophy. Like, like, hey, let's get outside, let's see if we can body our mind. Um, as opposed to sitting there. I think, you know, the screen time um, has been up so much in this pandemic and that, you know, kids Mm -hmm. are just consuming. You're just, just grabbing things. And I get it. Parents are, you know, tanked, but I think we can, we can try to be better.
0: I agree. I think it's, it's almost a general level of awareness. And I am far from potentially, you know, those stages in life and having to think, for others in a greater sense of dependency, not the greater, you know, good of my communities or the good of the people I know and care about right now. However, that is going to be, I think, one of the largest balances moving forward is how do you remain mindful while also remaining, in this sense, plugged in? And, you know, can we strike strike that balance and have not a standardized version of it, But can we put that out into our little circles and say, hey, here's what we've done to create a physical space that's comfortable, a mental space that's comfortable. And what that looks like is X amount of screen time or X amount of outside time or community time, whatever it is. I think that's going to be one of the biggest, if not the biggest challenge for the generations even below me that that are coming up through life.
1: No, i I agree and it's it's easy but I think for you and I to say you know we can uh just get outside and do this like yeah I'm not parents you know I'm like I'm not a parent I
2: don't know what your capacity is I don't know how much tank how much fuel you have left in your tank yeah. wow, big, how big your how big is your bathtub and Parents and I mean, yeah, you know, I'm like, all right, like
1: you guys need some help, and I think that's a hard thing for people to do is ask for help and understand, you know, even small things can help in big ways.
0: Yes, just each, yeah, even helping everybody out, you know, mowing your neighbor's lawn, picking picking somebody's kid up from school if you can, like just those little little acts of gestures, you know, that might take a half an hour out of your day, but might create three hours for somebody else or an hour and a half for somebody else. And I wonder, I really do wonder when we do come out of this. And I hope that the general, I know that my communities that I'm a part of will likely swing in the direction of yes, we need to start seeing people again. We need these gatherings. We need that human interaction. However, I just, I I fear that there will also be a lot of people who will almost have what I will call, and I'm sure they will call at some point a COVID hangover, where there's still that general level of fear and anxiety that we're a little more hesitant coming out of the break to come back and, and do things.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
0: So I want to ask you one more, uh, one more thing before I I get to the finale, because the finale, I like to leave kind of, kind of a bit of a soapbox opportunity for the guests. Um, Goals and dreams going forward. Obviously they can be a lot of different things. And, you know, we brought this up, we brought this up yesterday a little bit is, what do you want your world to look like or say this had never happened, but now that it has, it'll, it will give birth to a, a period of regrowth, a period of restructuring, a period of reflection, all these things that COVID has forced us to do. Are there things in your life that you're going to be looking forward to when things resume or is there a, an, ideal, an ideal in your head that is missing a little bit right now?
1: Um, I think the goal for with life, you know, when, and if life kind of resumes, get, gets back to capacity, um, Mm -hmm. I hope we can, um, I hope people realize they can vote with their dollar, um, in the biggest sense that
2: supporting small community restaurants, shops, and areas create um a real sense of honest community.
1: Um and that we can I think it's amazing what Amazon has done in Target and these, you know, behemoth companies. Um, but to me I'm going, you're not supporting your local people. You're you're again that's self it's self-interest. And I'm hoping out of this that we say, Okay, all these people have been, you know, shut down, torn up by this pandemic. Let's get them revived. Let's really go out on our main street um, to have a slice of pizza and
2: shop in a local bookstore. Um, I think that is something I have really... Last couple of years,
1: obviously, I have an Amazon account. I'm a Prime member, totally. Okay. Um, but I, w- I would like to really, you know, make that a focus of my point and vote with my dollar to support good people who are doing good things and not paying into to me the system a little bit. So hopefully, from this, people can really realize that because this has had a huge effect on those small businesses. Yes.
0: No, that's awesome. That's, I think, something especially that that I was conscious of, more conscious of at the start of this to the point where I was buying all my coffee from the local roasters. I think we got about seven to nine just within Edmonton. My dad's wow. always getting the three-pound bags of Starbucks. And I thought, well, what is what is the price difference? Is that even an issue? And then I go and I meet the guys from Roasty is the the place here, There at least that I go to. And you start to hear the stories of how they started this and how the guy flew down to Nicaragua and Colombia and, and met the, the people who supply him with beans and why they wow. thought it was a great location and what they're doing within their community and how they, they're supporting. Like they have their own, they got a fire hall label on one of them that supports the fire halls charity. Another one wow. there was for a rugby team. And it's just those little things. And all of a sudden you feel like, yeah, I might be paying a dollar or two more a pound, but this cup of coffee means so much more to the communities that I'm part of and that, you know, 10 cents or 20 cents, they might take off the top. Like you said, it, you know that it's going to something good.
1: Yeah. Totally. Totally agree. And I think coffee is an easy place to start too. just, like, you know, I think that's, it's something people regularly do. Why not have an impact through your cup?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So this is, this is the bit of the grand finale side note. Cause you're from Philadelphia and I'm, I know you love sports. Pardon the interruption. You're very familiar with, uh, PTI. Sorry, did I lose her. Or, or did you hear that?
2: No, I didn't hear it.
0: Pardon me. Sorry. I <laughs> have some serious issues on that. Are you familiar with the show? Pardon the interruption PTI? Yeah. Yes, I am. I figured not a lot of Canadians are. I just wanted to ask it was a bit of a side <laughs> note, Cons- consider this the big finish then. So I've always yeah. wanted to use that. <laughs> anyway, the final question, and, and if you don't hear me, just let me know, and I'll repeat it. If there's one sentiment, piece of advice, idea from Theodore Bloom as the person you are today that has aided you in your life or your mentality that you could give to others or tell to others, what would it be?
1: Um, get out of your comfort zone. Um, go explore yourself. Go explore something that um, maybe scares you. Yeah, I like to. I like to think I. I do something that scares myself every day. Um, can be just from reading an article that I might not want to click on because I am wary about the effect it'll. That I, you know, I can see on a map, but I have to explore and really have my wits about me. So, um, and I think that's something in my younger years that I was not okay with um, mm-hmm. doing. I have those tough conversations, uh, and then you know, getting out of your comfort zone with your partner, uh, with whoever's in your life. Tell them how you feel before you react to how you feel. Um, you know, if it, if it's something they can do, uh, better if it's something that that has affected
2: you. I think that's something that I'm continuing to work on and grow with. But I think it's something that you know push it down they hide it in and they don't say you know mm-hmm. hey that really that really affected me And i think that's a big
1: big area that we can all get better with
0: that's beautiful I, li- I really like that and i think the one the one thing that hasn't been said that a lot of people have have touched on is don't only do it for yourself but do it for the people that are closest to you and and it's 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 only going to be positive i think
1: yeah i agree
0: well, it's been an absolute slice, sir. Uh, do stick around post show, uh, but I will hit stop recording. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on.
2: Hey, thank you, Alex. Appreciate it.